0: This episode is just going to be me. Um, We've been having some insane amounts of rain, which caused uh, some internet connection snafus. So um, after a couple of rescheduling attempts, I said to myself, you know what? We're just going to go solo this week. I am not going to be reading my diary. Um, That was traumatic. I'm still not over it. Still talking about it in therapy. But I did ask you guys what you'd like to hear about. It's interesting. There was definitely some themes. You know, a lot of folks wanted to kind of hear about what it's like living in L.A. and, you know, what celebrities are really like. And others wanted to know um, how I got to where I am and who I am. And I don't really know how to answer that. (laughs) That feels really daunting and really intense others want to hear a little bit about indian wells which i can definitely get into but first of all i just want to say thank you for submitting any questions or topics that you'd like me to cover on the patreon lots of folks want you know beauty and makeup ideas and and tips and tricks so i think that's much better suited for a video so Head on over to my Patreon. I'm trying to figure out how I can do a live stream and we can talk about makeup. And I guess I could do my makeup, which seems insane. I actually have loved makeup for a very, very long, long time. I used to after school, like middle school, go down to Union Street in San Francisco and hang out at the Mac store and like try on makeup and use my babysitting money and buy frosted Mac eyeshadows and lipsticks, lots of spice lip liners that were purchased. And I just like, oh, I've, I love it. You know, Rachel was asking me recently what I, you know, my, my my favorite parts of kind of like Oscar weekend or any of the events that I go to. And really for me, it's the glam. I, I love it. I could sit in the glam chair forever. I love getting my nails done. I love getting my hair done. I don't, I know I get a little antsy. I'm sorry, Erin, who does my hair when I'm doing highlights because it's just like heavy. <laughs> she puts like a million foils in my hair, which is amazing. But I just get a little antsy. But other than that, I like I just love all of it. Something I haven't really gotten into is wigs, which I feel like might be my next. Forte, but um, yeah, I I used to do makeup for all my friends in high school when I went to boarding school for like prom or if they were going out with their boyfriends or whatever. Um, my mom, don't be shocked, asked me to do her makeup for my own wedding as if I wasn't going to be busy. Um, and was quite upset when I said no. Um, but definitely did her makeup a lot. But I love it, and I have a, I have a real. Appreciation and really just, you know, I'm in awe of makeup artists, how they can transform people's faces. I think drag culture has really infiltrated everyday makeup in a really interesting way. And the idea that you can use makeup to sculpt your face, I just, I love it. I could talk about it forever, but definitely, uh, you know, sign up for the Patreon head on over there. There's definitely different tiers that you can do. I'll make sure that whatever makeup one I do is for all the tiers. Um, So you can join. But in regards to like what LA life is like and how I got to where I am. First of all, I don't even I don't I I don't know how to describe LA life. LA life is so different for so many people and it's been very different for me even in the last few years. You know, I came down here when I was 25. It was around 2008. I was really struggling to get a job in San Francisco. I was acting and waitressing, and I was singing with my band, Liz and the Lifted, at the time. And we weren't really doing much. I wanted to do more. And I just knew I had to get out of San Francisco. It was, you know, the tech industry really suffocated the business Side of things. And it it just felt increasingly more difficult and more tech. And that just like wasn't working. I mean, I remember interviewing for a job at Zanga in their PR department. And the woman (laughs) called me and she's like, Listen, you're like totally qualified and I'd love to hire you, but I have to hire this, you know, vice president from Microsoft who just got laid off from their job instead of you, which like, fair enough. And, you know, I was interviewing at all these corporate. PR companies where they'd make me do like writing tests. I was just like, this is so lame. And I love San Francisco so much. I have such a nostalgic love affair, I think is the best way to describe it, with the city that just like wasn't there anymore. And I just knew I had to, I knew I had to move on and move down here. So A friend of mine, a friend of the family really, hooked me up with this mobile advertising agency, which like those don't even exist anymore. And I was a copywriter there and doing like image sourcing. I was totally terrible at the job. I had no idea what I was doing. I came down here with no car, which is Bananas and was taking the bus from West Hollywood, where I was living, like basically in a closet of my family friend's friend's house. There was no air conditioning. It was right on Spalding and Rosewood, and my next door neighbor actually was this guy named Yanni Gelman, who was on a soap opera. And that area of Los Angeles is right by the CBS lot, so it's like where the price is right and all the um all the soap operas. And his roommate was, oh my God, now I'm forgetting his name, Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth, Miley Cyrus's ex-husband. And literally, like living on the net, like we shared a wall. And I just, I came to LA so broke, working at this mobile a- advertising agency, still wanting to act. I started taking classes at Leslie Kahn, which I adored, and really just trying to audition. And it was tough. I mean, back then, it was there was no body positivity, which, ha ha ha, it seems like there isn't anymore <laughs> thanks to good old Azempic but I was struggling. I mean, I god, I took all these different odd jobs. I worked for this producer who had done like basketball diaries and his his father was a very famous producer. Was this older couple and all I did was file <laughs> papers and shred old paperwork. Um I guess this is sort of bad to admit, but at one point I had so much paperwork in my car that I was supposed to take to, you know, some like certified shredding office. And I just like didn't have the time and I threw it away um, in a dumpster. And uh, as I was looking through some of that paperwork, it was like Portia de Rossi's like fucking (laughs) W-2s. all this crazy shit. Leonardo DiCaprio's like all of his information. eh, Whatever. It's fine. If There was a breach. It's my fault and my bad. I mean, all that paperwork at that point was like 15 years old. So none of it was relevant. I think it even said like Portia de Rossi lived in Sherman Oaks in this like apartment complex. And I think we can all agree. Portia de Rossi has not lived in Sherman Oaks in a apartment complex for some time particularly since she's met her uh, real estate mogul wife, Ellen DeGeneres. So I think everybody's all right. But I was doing odd jobs for John and Liz. That was his wife. And then, oh, my God, I worked at all these restaurants. I worked at Son of a Gun and fucking the Evelyn. And, and I met my friend Sarni, who I talk about all the time, and she was working at MySpace. And she got me a job there as a writer, producer. And that's kind of where the media side Started And I'm not going to sit here and like bore you with a resume of kind of what ended up happening in my career. But, you know, it was really this time where digital media was really taking over from a content perspective, you know. Brands were coming to the different platforms, whether that was editorial platforms like um, like a Condé Nast or, you know, a Hearst, like all the magazines in those portfolios and moving into digital spaces. And I really, you know, had an opportunity to learn how to write and create content early. And so that's what I did. I wasn't on the business side at all. I was on the creative side, which, you know, is obviously still very near and dear to my heart. But I always wanted to be on camera. I always wanted to be an actor. And so I would pitch things where I would host. Um, That's where Getting Nailed came from. I did the X Games, um, you know, tons and tons of content, tons of celebrity interviews. And I loved it. And, you know, I think that the need to support myself always stopped me from kind of doing it full time. And I think it was a crisis of confidence, quite frankly. And so, you know, I had to put a lot of my energy into work. And so I really wanted to understand kind of all aspects of the business, not only just from a production side, from a hosting side, but really from the business side. And that's kind of where I found myself today. And you know, again, I don't want to like bore you guys with some resume, but a lot of people ask me how I got to kind of where I am. And I I don't know, like hustling, hustling so hard, being nice to people. You see the same people at the top as you definitely saw at the bottom and vice versa. I had a call this morning from a girl I worked with at a previous job and she's struggling, you know, where she is and wanted some advice and I think being able to be kind to people and see people and call them and use people as resources is such an important thing. And I'm humbled that she gave me a call and felt like I was the type of person that could give her some advice. And I've worked with a lot of incredible people, and I've worked with a lot of nasty, 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 nasty motherfuckers. And I wish them nothing. I wish them no wellness, no monies, no nothing, because I am too busy wishing monies and happiness and love and whatever dreams people want from all the good people. So, you know, I definitely, um, if you've been listening to me for a long time and kind of know my personality, like, pfft, I, I don't care. Higher road, my ass. If you did me dirty, I will never forget it. And I will never forgive you. And I think that's a fine place to be. I have too much energy to distribute to people that I care about to, I don't know, like be the bigger person. I don't give a fuck about being the bigger person if I'm being honest with you. (laughs) So that's how I've gotten to where I am by not being the bigger person. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, But I would just say, you know, I'm always nervous. I'm always nervous the next job's not going to come. I'm always nervous <laughs> that I'm not going to have any money. I'm always nervous that I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage or pay my rent. I'm definitely, I think it's the nervousness and and the unsettledness of it all that makes me work hard. I mean, no tea, no shade to all the rich people I grew up with, but I just don't see them working as hard. And it's totally fine. Like, I would love to all of a sudden win the lottery like right now. Would I quit my job? Probably not. Because I like my job. But would I just be able to like chill the fuck out? I hope so. They always say more money, more problems. But I have to say, I don't know if I believe that. I think it's when you get the money is when you get the problems. I was reading this article last night on Rolling Stone about the band Live, which is like such a strange, like old school, like post grunge. Like rock band, live is really like a blend of Creed and what did they say last night? Like Matchbox Twenty, um, and Stone Temple Pilots. But I would say like Creed and Bush, you know, because Gavin Rossdale, what a cheezo and what a jerk for cheating on that Gwen Stefani. She's a little cheese to me as well, but still, it's like what a loser and. The demise of their band is so wild. Like it was all greed and it was money and jealousy. And they worked really, you know, they worked hard for that money. And I'm like, damn, how stupid, how short sighted, you know? And also, this one guy said he like went broke by furnishing his friends and family's homes and buying them cars. You can say no. I listen, I know so many kind and incredibly generous wealthy people that have been really kind. To Rachel and I, and I fucking appreciate it so much. But I also know a lot of rich people that are not giving away cars and fucking houses, and they're staying rich. So I don't know. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm gonna say. I don't play the lottery, even though I actually do know. This is kind of crazy. I know two people that have won the lottery, and like not like millions, but a couple hundred thousand each. Which let me tell you, maybe I should start playing the lottery again. I just feel like the odds are really bad. And it's always like people in like Wichita or like Massachusetts, you know, it's not like Glendale, you know, but what can I say? So anyway, so on this like ADD rant, see, this is why I like to have a script and I like to know what I'm doing. <laughs> the solo episodes are so nerve wracking. Um, so, yeah, just like working hard. I mean, listen, yesterday, a dream of mine was realized. I went on Sirius XM radio on the Andy channel, like, oh, my God. I was on with Matthew Hoffman and John Hill. John Hill was last week's episode, and I always wanted to be on the radio. This is why podcasting is so cool that I'm able to do this. And I really like—I can't say this earnestly enough—but like, I am in awe and so appreciative of the people that listen to this show. And I'm so appreciative to Alexis who edits this show. And I'm so sorry that I never meet a deadline. And I just can't believe it. And it's also so wild that all these people from my life of growing up or college or New York or whatever, like, stay in touch with me by listening to this. Like, I can't believe it. I really can't. And I know I'm not, like, fucking Joe Rogan or my next-door neighbor, Mark Maron, but I, it feels so incredible that I can talk to people in a way that I always dreamt of doing, right? Like, I grew up listening for this is for my Bay Area folks, 102.9 KBLX with Sterling James, who I ended up meeting, and actually we've become Facebook friends, but I met her at a Wu-Tang concert years ago. And I would send in demos because I wanted to, you know, sing the jingle, which I always <laughs> wish had, had happened and it never did. And I would listen to Alice 97.3 and 94.9. And I, you know, I was it was such a big dream of mine to be on the radio. And so yesterday's huge for me, you know, and I couldn't sleep. And uh, I was trying to, like, think about all the witty things I would say and what to expect. And nothing I had prepared and nothing I expected that would be discussed happened, except for Vanderpump. I seemed to not be able to escape that snooze a story of those people having sex, which, like, who cares? but it was so fun and i still you know have such pinch me moments with that and i hope that he invites me back and shout out to courtney for calling i realized that i forgot to say the name of your incredible company fetchmart courtney is amazing she's a listener patreon member she called in to john hill yesterday and i was so nervous i just like didn't want to say your company name wrong so i'm sorry Courtney makes incredible dog leashes and collars. Ravioli's is wearing one right now and you're the best. So I'm really sorry about that. I was like killing myself in the car afterward. I'm like, fuck Liz, you didn't say your fucking name of her company. So sorry. Anyway, so I hope I can continue to do those things. You know, your likes and your reviews matter. And the fact that you guys do them are is so huge for me. Meta is totally against me. I cannot. I don't know what in the Fucking universe is going on with my Instagram. The cool, cool, cool Instagram, which I feel like is so impersonal. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe <laughs> nobody actually, people just want gay memes. They don't want to hear about me and ravioli in our house renovations. They just want, they just want gay shit. I don't know. But my Instagram feels like it's, it just doesn't feel right. And, you know, that kind of stuff matters and booking guests and, and getting people on. So, your lovely, kind comments and reviews on Apple, they mean a lot. And, and, and I, I can't, I, I really I cannot thank you enough. So anyway, I said that I wasn't going to take a long time talking about my career and 19 minutes have gone by. Um, I'm looking at some of the questions here. Oh, well, I guess I didn't say, well, what's your long-term career goals? Any regrets? Okay, first of all, babe. I have a lot of regrets. Um, I regret that I didn't save like $10 a week back in the day. <laughs> but I was broke. I don't know. Regrets are hard because it's like I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be the kind of person I am now had I not been on the editorial side for so long. But whatever. I regret like taking some jobs and not waiting. But again, it's like I didn't have the money. So it is what it is. Long-term career goals – I don't know. I'm kind of wrestling with that a little bit. I mean, if somebody came to me tomorrow and they're like, Radio Andy or whatever wants you on Sirius XM, I mean, I would try to still have my current job because I really do. I love, love working at Condé and I love supporting the brands. I'm such a nerd for the brands, particularly Vanity Fair, who I work with so much. I love them. I want to do better for them. I just, you know, but I don't know. I mean, it would be really cool to have my own business and consult for a ton of different people, but I'm too scared to do it. So I don't know what to tell you. What is something most people don't know about LA or Hollywood life? I don't know. Everyone's full of shit. I think everybody knows that at this point. In terms of like, you know, I got a lot of like, who are you? And like, your background seems so insane. I don't know. I've been on and off writing a book for 12 and a half years of who I am. I'm terrified to put that out. I actually had an agent and had a book proposal floating around for quite some time. It was called Been There, Done That, and Not So Guide to Dating Humans. And it was really more of like a kind of dating, or it was really like a look into my life through my bisexuality and dating men and women, but I I don't really, I it just kind of fell apart. I wasn't really getting anywhere. At the time, it was a lot of like celebrity driven books and memoirs. And I think that's kind of how they were positioning me and it wasn't really working. And then all the edits came back and they did, people just really wanted like way more sexual content. And that's just not something that I really think matters so i don't know if i ever find the time to continue to write that i really want to write that i feel this weird i don't know if i can like say it but maybe i should just say it i feel like my like parents have to die before i put the book out i think (laughs) which is like so dark and so fucked up but i'm being incredibly honest with you i think listen do i think my mom would read it no i mean yeah. But I think I need to be as honest as possible. And I've spent the majority of my life sparing her feelings. And I think that listen, I think we always seek the approval of our parents, right? And I and my relationship with my parents in particular, my mother was really complicated. My mom's really fucking tough. And yeah, I think I just have to I just have to wait. But you'll you'll get that uh that story at some point. Um, in terms of the Oscars recap, that is on my Patreon in full detail. So head on over there. It was fun. It was wild. Walking in with Nicole Kidman was fucking insane. I I mean, that I, that I will tell you now. It was a crazy experience. Once in a lifetime, again, so appreciative of the opportunity to do it. It's like on my bucket list. I totally, (laughs) you know, as a kid, like had an Oscars speech that I always, you know, would practice and. Every time I would watch the Oscars, I would imagine myself and like how I would feel on stage doing it. I still sort of have that fantasy about, and at this point, I wouldn't be acting in it, but producing or writing something that, you know, won any kind of award, quite frankly. And I think, listen, I think it's amazing to be recognized by your peers. I think anybody in any any industry wants that and that validation. And it feels amazing. And I'll tell you this, though. I spent a lot of time at the bar (laughs) watching with a lot of people. And it's really a lot of industry folks. Like it's definitely the celebrities are kind of sequestered to a certain section and the rest of the Oscars feels very much like an exec party, which is kind of tricky because you don't know who you're speaking to it's real white it's real male and then there's these like kind of middle aged older women white women that are like super hot and they look really rich and you have like no idea who they are and it's very intimidating and terrifying and you're like what the fuck so it was definitely intimidating um i really want to go to the golden globes but i think i'm again it's almost like san francisco i want to go to the golden globes the golden globes that no longer exists because this year's golden globes was i thought jared did a good job and it was funny but like i don't know you gotta go like with somebody nominated that's the net net nothing will top going to the emmys with my best friend this year where she was nominated i got to sit near carson kressley and all the rupaul's drag race folks. We got drunk. I ran around. I was just hyping her up. I was so, it wasn't about me. It was just all about Maureen. I was so excited for her. Like, that's the kind of shit that's amazing where the pressure is not on you. Like, I wasn't sitting there consumed with, like, if I'm going to win or, like, what I'm wearing, but it was, like, all about my friend. And I just wanted to support her. And I got to go along for the ride. And I think, quite frankly, that's, like, the most fun ever. I will let you know that I asked Rachel to be on this episode and she declined, not politely, but declined. Her 40th birthday was a lot because in similar vein where I want to just like support people and celebrate them and have a great time, Rachel wanted no birthday celebration. She wanted no party. Um, I had to tell a couple of her friends that she didn't want to do anything, but then I was like, holy shit, I have to do something. So I got her a cake which she claims is the flavors that I like, which I had to remind her, it was from the same place that we got our wedding cake. So I was under the impression that she also liked those flavors, but you know, I can't win. And then we went to the tennis, which is, you know, fabulous. I wish I could give you some crazy stories, but it was kind of like work for me. I almost felt like I was dropping Rachel off at tennis camp in the BNP Paribas suite. They're so lovely. I love the BNP team. They're awesome. They're the kindest, coolest people. They invited Rachel and I for finals weekend. They work with my friends over at Racket, and I got to see their installation, which was gorgeous. And you know, again, celebrate. Racket magazine and all the folks that work over there, Caitlin, who you guys have heard from on my tennis is gay episode. But the tennis is super fun. The tennis was a little snooze a lose. I'm not going to lie. Like ego was, you know, hurt. Apparently people were just kind of like getting spanked. That's not really fun tennis. I also like, again, was kind of working. I got a little too drunk one day. Yeah, it was like, you know, ate a bunch of no boom. It was good. It was really fun. I had actually a media pass, so I could have gone a lot more places than I did, but I didn't want to leave Rachel. So we just chilled. It's a good time. I'm jury is still out on how I feel about Palm Springs. Palm Springs is like real gay guy and like real methy, which typically run as a pair together. I just like don't get it. it, I, it it's pretty. Like the mountains, the snow capped mountains were definitely pretty with. Palm trees and whatever, but I just I think being you know a Bay Area kid, I really crave the water. Like I'm just like, what the fuck would you do out here? I don't play golf. Gets real hot in summer. The food in Palm Springs, deserts is like, it's not that great, you know. I also don't love the idea of like driving fish out that far into the desert and then eating fish. Even though I consumed forty thousand pounds. Of Nobu Sushi, I don't know, you know. So definitely a great weekend. I wish I could have done more, but again, I think that's like my own selfish birthday shit where I wish I won the lottery and like went on a private jet to Lake Como and like lived out my lived out my fantasy. Um, I got a question about a hard time in my life and how I overcame it. It's an interesting question. I've had a lot of hard times relative to my life. I think that's also something that we don't think about, right? Like I've never, I mean I've gone to bed hungry before, for sure, especially when I was out on my own. But, you know, there's definitely a lot of poverty in this country. I'm a white woman from the Bay Area who grew up with a lot of privilege. So like what's hard to me is never going to be as hard for folks in this country that have race deep racism and poverty stacked against them. So I just want to be like clear about that. I think what I've really tried to do as a white woman, especially after watching Deconstructing Karen and following that page and and really trying to educate myself more about how I can just be a fucking better person and a better ally, is really trying to be empathetic, but also realistic and honest about people's positions, right? Like, you know, I just joined LPAC, which I'm super excited about. LPAC is a lesbian pack uh, working to get queer identifying and non-binary folks into office because what gay people are getting into office? I'm going to tell you white, cis, gay guys, not black, trans women, not indigenous queer folks. It's It's really white men still. And I think like that. Power position isn't as discussed as it really should be, in particular in, you know, places of of power, like politics and business, et cetera. So hard times for me, many hard times. I definitely struggled as a kid with depression and abuse and bullying at school that sucked. I think that's why, you know, I talk about. Not forgiving people. Like, I don't. Like, I don't forgive them. I don't forget about it. I've said this before and I'll say it now. Like, I wasn't a mean kid. I think all kids are learning out how to behave in society and, you know, maybe say things a little bit too literally that hurt and not consider other people's feelings and can be hurtful. But, like, I was not like a mean kid. I didn't shit on people. I didn't make fun of people. I didn't kick people. I didn't, like, so no, I don't forgive those people. I didn't hurt anybody. It's like get the fuck out of here. I think that's such a lame excuse. My childhood was was really hard. I was really confused. I was really sad. I like binge ate a lot to kind of fill me up, literally and figuratively. Um, and so from an overcoming perspective, you know, I don't know if I did it right. I started like smoking cigarettes and drinking and smoking weed really young. I think trying to cope with a lot of really confusing and sad feelings, which <sighs> I don't know if I overcame it. I'm in therapy now, still talking about the same shit. My poor therapist is probably like so bored of all of my stories that I still try to get through. And then, you know, I, I went to high school. I went to Common to the Sacred Heart, and then I went to boarding school. And that was really a choice on my end. I knew I was hanging out with like really, a lot older people than me. If you listen to the Taylor Strucker show, we've kind of touched on that. I was like going out to nightclubs and raves and shit in like freshman year of high school. And I wanted to do better and I wanted to get away and I, I wanted to, I just I just like knew. I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here if I'm going to make something of myself. But that ended up becoming a pretty difficult, time for me. Boarding school was hard. I felt really alone. You know, I had a couple of incidents happen that sucked. I got thrown out of a, of a moving car and hit my head. And it, just, it was not, it was not, it was not good. <laughs> and I felt a lot of institutional betrayal, something I've learned in therapy, uh, where I felt like the school wasn't really supporting me And how I overcame that was really music. I always wanted to sing. I always did sing privately. I was always really scared to sing in front of other people because I wasn't classically trained and I would just mimic what I heard on the radio listening to 102.9 KBLX and 94.9. I had a really, really uncanny ability to mimic songs and pick up songs real quick. I used to play this game with my friend Griffin. We used to carpool together and I could like name every song or like sing at least, a, you know, a portion of it. And he, when we were on the drive home, he would get so mad. He was like, is there a song you don't know? I'm like, no, motherfucker. I know them all. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, started singing and I joined the jazz group and I started writing my own songs. I don't know if any of them are good. I could sing. I know the song right now that I sang in front of the whole school. It's actually kind of crazy. I don't know where it is, but I have a recording on a CD of the first time I ever sang in public. And the song was called, I don't want to wake up. And the lyric was, I don't want to wake wake. I don't really want to wake up this morning. I just want to lay my head and go back to bed and forget about the day that I would have had. Oh, the misery that enables me to be free. And that was the chorus. I'm not gonna sing it now because, like, how weird, like me singing on a fucking podcast. But um, I remember my teacher, Mr. Hing, who's my photography teacher, was like, "Damn girl, you you cool?" <laughs> I was like, "No, I'm not cool. These motherfuckers are crazy, and I'm like 3,000 miles away from my family, and we ain't got no cell phones. MySpace wasn't around. I was." fucking miserable. Music was really something that helped me get through that. I just wrote and I would get on. I I bought a bike somehow. <laughs> Don't even know how. I bought a bike and I would go and I would listen to my little Sony click click Walkman. At the time, you know, Erica Badu was like everything to me. And I would go and I would listen to her music and Mary J. Blige and I would try to understand how the melodies and the songs were done. I would go smoke weed in a fucking graveyard, which is looks like so weird and feels very like breakfast club vibes. And I would try to practice how to write music. And that was really something that got me through a lot of hard times. I, you know, I had another question that I had come through Instagram was like the band and the singing and, you know, God. I think, you know, I think about it a lot. I think about how hard we tried to have a band, and we did really cool shit, and I opened for cool people, and I played at really amazing venues. But my band at the time, like people moved, and what always really was tough for me is i didn't really I didn't know how to write music, and I couldn't play an instrument, so I really relied on people, and so that kind of stopped the music for me. But whether it was falling in love with the first girl I ever dated who is a fucking monster and writing about that to getting over just general sadness, music has always really been something that helped me get through that time. And now that I don't sing, I would say like podcasting and writing and creating is something that keeps me grounded and and gives me an opportunity to express myself that's not like shoveling fucking emails around getting deals done, which I love. Which I'm grateful for, which I'm good at, but it's not, you know, what makes my heart tick. So I think, you know, that kind of answered two questions, which was what's up with the music and uh, what's up with uh, getting through tough times. But yeah, I mean, I've been like real broke. When I came, when after I came to LA, in between that time before I got that job at MySpace when I was acting and working in those restaurants, I was like real hungry. I did not have any fucking money. I was running around with like weird dealer celebrities and like eating literal cookie dough out of the walk-in of this gnarly restaurant on Sunset Boulevard that I worked at and like eating people's food off their plates. (laughs) Like it was tough. It was really tough. And, you know, I got through that by showing up to work every day and working really hard and getting lucky and again, being nice to people. I don't know. I think that's, that's sort of uh, the net net, you know, it's like, you never know who you're going to serve in a restaurant. For me, it was Aziz Ansari and Sarni Rogers (laughs) and they fucking Captain Sava hoed me and got me a job in MySpace. But you never know, you know. And um, yeah, I think about singing a lot. I want to do it. I like wish I kind of wish I would maybe go back and do singing lessons. I get really scared singing live and performing. So that's something that I don't know if I'm that interested in, but I definitely didn't take advantage of the internet blowing up and like being able to sing at home again, because I felt really paralyzed because i I, I don't know how to write music music. so yeah, I don't know. to sort of like wrap all of this up because I really do feel as though I've just been rambling rambling, rambling, rambling. A question that I get all the time is like, who's one person you would love to interview? Because obviously me rambling on a microphone, I don't know if people want it. <laughs> I'm sorry I don't have an oven scam to discuss. I felt like at least that I had a heartbeat to a conversation because I could always just go back to that asshole who scammed me. You know what I mean? Like the story was so linear and I had facts. This this episode, I just am like, you know, Bloop 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 bloop. I said I wouldn't read my diary, but I uh, obviously, you know, love to bear my soul. But somebody that I would love to interview, the celeb thing is tough because I, I really, actually, firmly believe like don't meet your heroes. Like just don't. It never works out the way you want it to. I mean, I've been pretty lucky. Like for instance, like would I love to talk to Oprah? Of course I would love to talk to Oprah. I've met Oprah in a parking lot. It was pretty funny. It was weird. But like Oprah ain't gonna give me a good interview, you know what I mean? Like she's really not. Chelsea Handler, I'm fucking obsessed with. I she was supposed to come to my house. I got bumped for Kate Beckinsale. More on that at another time. Do I think she'd give me a good interview? I don't know. Maybe. Actually, yeah, I would love to interview Chelsea Handler. I would love to interview Chelsea Handler and really pray to God and hope to God that all of the stories that I've been dying to tell her about like our lives intersecting would be well received. But I don't know. You know, <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. But for me, I would love to interview like Stevie Nicks or Bonnie Raitt or Brandy because Brandy got in that crazy ass car accident. If she was open to talking about it, that would be an incredible interview for me. I, you know, speaking about music, I am in awe. Musicians and artists, really people who have this like incredible brain and creativity in their bones. Those are people that are like really interesting to me that I think would make for a really fun Interview. I'm trying, you know, in the next couple of episodes that are happening, I'm talking to a therapist about different personality disorders because I find that really interesting. And I'm talking to, you know, somebody that was a model and now works in breath work and trauma healing. Like, I think those sorts of interviews are far more interesting to do and hopefully far more interesting to listen to. The celebrity of it all is like rough because you don't know how their publicist prepped them. You don't know what they're going to say or what they're going to do. And I'm actually not that interested in the gotcha moment. Like, I don't want somebody to slip up and say some fucked up shit Because I got some page six headline. I think that's where I'm having a little bit of trouble with like the Vanderpump Bravo of it all. I feel like it's gotten real gotcha and like sneaky and like just dirt. I'm like not that interested in that right now in my life. It's not that I don't love a Kiki and I don't love gossip. I'm just sort of like, like, I want to know how kind of maybe similar to you guys, like how people got through things. Like, who inspired them like what was what something was really like Bonnie Raitt please tell me what it was like singing and creating music at a time when women were super not respected you were like fucking a teenager and the world was overtly more racist than it is now like how did you move around in those spaces or Stevie Nicks, like, just fucking tell us everything. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just spill the beans, you know? Like, did you and Christine really need to fight like that? Like, come on. Like, you know, what was it like? What was it like having groupies around? Or like, I think those, you know, at the Oscars, the one person that I like geeked out over was Wolfgang Puck, which is so lame of me. But also it's like, I wish Julia Child was alive. I'd love to be like, yo, Julia Child, what was it like? being a six foot tall woman with like kind of a weird voice. I just watched her documentary a couple months ago. And it's like, talk to me about like that kind of stuff. Talk to me about how you felt as a woman when your femininity and your womanhood was so different to what was socially acceptable. Like in the j Lo documentary, all about her butt. That's what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about like your next project. So I would say, you know, musicians, writers are the most interesting. We all know how I feel about comedians on podcasts. So Chelsea, she gets a pass because it's she's like my idol. So anyway, I'm going to I'm going to leave it there <laughs> because I've given you 45 minutes of nonsense. I, I don't I'm not like a big advice kind of gal. I think that when you start being an expert or you start labeling yourself as such and you start doling out advice to people you're setting yourself up for like a lot of failure you know i have only lived my life i think as i said earlier i think we have to really try to put ourselves in other people's shoes and i think that can also be quite helpful in dealing with your own traumas and even happiness like being like wow it's not just about me and and what is this like or what could this be like for somebody else so i think the advice stuff is pretty tricky so i have no work advice i have no singing advice i have no how to move in celebrity spaces <laughs> advice i just know what does what does well for me and i also know what doesn't do well for me i know that i can get like real fucking weird and like start to like talk too much and uh, and overcompensate because i'm really insecure I know that what does well for me is also like being honest about that. I know that what does well for me is like working really hard, but then giving myself opportunities like this to kind of live out slivers of my dreams so that I can handle corporate life because I'm definitely like not that kind of corporatey of a gal. So I have to <laughs> give myself opportunities to like unleash the beast, so to speak. Yeah, tune in next week. It won't be a solo episode. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. I really mean it. The reviews, the likes, all of it goes such a long way for me right now, especially as I'm struggling with Instagram. Subscribe to my Patreon. Legit, all the money goes to Alexis. <laughs> so <laughs> support Alexis. And I'm trying to make the Patreon experience better. Let me know what you like. I've been uploading quite a bit of content and trying to speak to you guys more. I, I If you... For whatever reason, unsubscribe from the Patreon. Please know that I take it really seriously and I read why. So if you are gonna leave, just be honest with me. Tell me why I wanna be better. And with that, I don't have a Poppy Parnell sign off, but uh, be nice to yourself.